Grambling might have just lost a high-profile football recruit, but they just gained the biggest recruit in HBCU baseball history. Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. The Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. You see it at the bottom of the screen, but if you don't, that just means you're on the audio side of things, and I appreciate you. Just don't forget the S on the end of South Exclusives. We close out today's episode with a conversation around the criteria in the NFL draft and why that should lead to you having more accurate expectations in the middle of the show we're going to discuss how Grambling just received the biggest HBCU recruit in HBCU baseball history but we start off with Grambling losing a high profile recruit but this time it's in football and I know that's going to be the one that gets all of the buzz I know that that's going to be the one that people talk about even though I think in the midst of the draft it kind of got lost in the shuffle and the draft is such a big event that that might have been the reason both of these grambling stories weren't that big. But this is about Fajon Wilson, the wide receiver out of Texas. His departure is not only a big blow for grambling, but a big blow for all HBCUs. Now, I could even argue it's a bigger blow for HBCUs than it is for grambling. And you heard me talk about this for, what, two days? Now this is the third day talking about this move. But the day is finally here for us to be able to talk about it. And I'm happy to discuss this because I want to illustrate this picture. I know if I say that Faison Wilson leaving Grambling, that's not a big deal. You might look at the fact that he didn't have 100 yards. You might look at the fact that his production was extremely minimal for Grambling. Say, how was that possibly a big loss? And I'd understand why you would say it. I respect it. My retort would probably be on the Grambling side of things is that they want him to be a bigger part of the offense, I would assume. Now, granted, maybe they didn't, and that's why he transferred. But I would assume that they expected him to be a bigger part of the offense, especially because they're trying to improve their offense. They just weren't that good of a passing attack last year. So his numbers were bad, but really the passing attack was bad, too. So I think that's a, a necessary part of the context to really discuss when talking about Faison Wilson's production in 2022. But I understand if you say, well, he still wasn't that big of a loss. It's not a big deal. That's OK. That's what he did on the field. But really what he does on the field is a very small part of the conversation on why I think it's a big loss for a big loss for HBCUs. See, I know what the stigma is because though he wasn't a high profile performer, he was a high profile recruit. See, when he picked Grambling, this was a big deal because he had decommitted from Texas. So his commitment to Grambling felt like, you know what? I'm placing Grambling an HBCU on I'm prioritizing, I'm choosing Grambling and an HBCU 
over a P5 school. And then this quote was when he put them on kind of equal footing. Wilson said this when he was signed. Grambling has been making moves. They just announced their new NIL deal. It's not like we won't be doing the same thing at a Power 5 school. It will probably be a difference in money, but they're about to do the same things. To me, that is a great example of what we are looking for, but it's also a great example of why this is a big loss for HBCUs. See, we want to be looked at on equal footing. I understand that the, the high-profile athletes are often choosing an LSU over Grambling, a Texas over Texas Southern, an Alabama over Alabama A&M. I get that, but it takes a couple of recruits to come in and say, I placed this HBCU on equal status as the school that everybody else wants to go to, that everybody else looks at as the gold standard. I view HBCUs in the same light. And part of viewing it in the same light is being up to date and is part of Part of it is being, I guess, not looking like a little brother, not being slow to the party. So when they have NIL deals at these schools, Grambling having an NIL deal really probably did favors for him. And I think it made them attractive to a lot of recruits. But here's the thing. He said that a year ago and a year later, he's gone. And a big thing that I've, I've kind of hammered in on when talking about the NFL draft is the lack of high profile recruits going to HBCUs out of high school those guys that people are just watching just because they typically aren't coming to HBCUs out of high school. Something happens and then they come to HBCUs. That's where most of the four or five stars come from. But honestly, when talking about Wilson, I want to move away from the star conversation because he's a three-star. So it's not like they can't get three stars at HBCUs, but when he did sign, maybe it was because he was committed to Texas. This felt like a bigger deal. This was a higher profile recruit than you would feel most three stars were, at least in my experience of looking at the stars and the amount of stars, not the star players, but the amount of stars looking at those that have been attached to players. This felt like a bigger deal than most three stars were, but now he's gone. See blue bloods came on and talked about developing talent. To me, getting high-profile talent, developing talent go hand-in-hand hand because, yes, you are developing talent on the HBCU level. However, you're not developing the four- and five-stars because they're not present. They're not actually there. You're not even getting the chance, right? You're not even getting the opportunity to showcase you can develop these players. It's just, you know, so it's really no fault of your own, but those are the type of players that I want to get into the program. Development is like proof of concept to other players who are peers with the people you're getting. So other three-star sees you're developing. Other kids in South Carolina see that you're developing. You just keep going. It's a cycle. I keep getting South Carolina kids. I keep getting South Carolina kids. But if you can show that you're developing four and five stars who are coming into college with, I would say, a not a high percentage, but you really are expecting them to make it to the league. You're looking at them more likely to make it to the league. I'll say that. So if you're developing those players, now those peers are going to come over to your school. It's just a cycle. It's just a process. And it's continuous. Right? But now you're seeing more HBCUs get higher profile players, but they're not doing anything with them. And it's a it's an unfair rap. It's a very unfair rap. But you look at the fact that Travis Hunter and Shador, they followed their dad over to Colorado, right? That's not a misspeak. They followed him over to Colorado. Kevin Coleman, he left. He went to Louisville, right? So you're seeing three high profile athletes over the last Let's just use Hunter and Coleman over the last two years, along with Wilson. You're looking at both of those guys out of Jackson State. They left because of a coaching change, but nobody's going to care when they attribute it to HBCUs. They're not going to look at, um, I can't remember which Miller son it was, but one of Master P kids went to Tennessee State. 
And then when he left, Bad Mouth, Tennessee State. You look at that Duncan Powell. He left North Carolina A&T. So you're seeing a lot of these players who are coming in high profile. Oh, that's a really good get. That's Maybe this is a, a tie turner for HBCUs, but then they leave, and that's the issue. The issue is that they leave. And I feel like Faison Wilson was kind of the last person standing. I could be wrong, but he was the last person standing. The only person who was really riding out the whole way, and he ended up leaving, was Ross at North Carolina A&T in the track and field program. But I don't know if he was a high-profile athlete coming out of high school, and his dad was literally the coach. So it's things like that. I don't sit here to bash it. But I wanted to change, and it's the fact of the fact of who Wilson was contributes to the stigma that HBCUs basically aren't holding on to talent, even though a large percentage of that case comes from the fact that Dion left and the Jackson State kids kind of dispersed after that. But going forward, you know, they say the Lord give it, and the Lord take it away. Well, he take it away, face on Wilson, but he gives you Martavius Thomas, the highest rated HBCU baseball recruit in HBCU baseball history. Hey, Gremlin, I guess if there's somebody you had to lose in order to gain this guy, I'd be pretty happy with that exchange. And let's dive into what player you're getting on the diamond as you continue with Locked on HBCU. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the market, just like we are the number one one-stop shop for all of your HBCU athletics Monday through Friday. You should get a Built Bar Monday through Friday. Every single day, matter of fact, if you go to Sam's Club, you can get a 13-pack, and you can actually have a variety. So you could try a new Built Bar every single day of the week. Enjoy a Built Bar while you're hearing me talk about Built Bars. That sounds like a phenomenal combination. And you know that Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the market, bar none. doesn't matter. I've had them all. There's not another protein bar that infuses taste with value, with nutrition. It just doesn't exist. A lot of them try, but they're not good. And the ones that aren't healthy for you, we call those candy bars. Meanwhile, candy bars that are healthy for you or protein bars that are tasty for you, we call those Built Bar. Go to Built.com slash Locked On. Use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your offer. And as we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day from an everydayers out there. Make sure you're tuning in tomorrow because we're going to be diving into Davius Richards' NFL draft stock. I know the draft just ended, but it's never too soon to look forward to next year. And that's what we're going to do tomorrow. Now, I want to talk about a story that, you know what? I think the NFL draft kind of muzzled. I think that if the NFL draft wasn't going on, this would have been a bigger story than it was. And it's the fact that Martavius Thomas is the highest rated HBCU baseball recruit in history. And he's headed to the G. So the Lord giveth and he taketh away. He taketh away Faison Wilson, but he giveth Martavius Thomas. And if I'm going to be honest, when it comes to grambling specifically, I don't know about HBCUs in general, but grambling specifically, I think they won this exchange, right? If we're talking about, we're putting Thomas and we're talking about Wilson and we're putting him right here. Thomas is going to be the one that sinks down because he's heavier. I, I think this name holds a little bit more weight because you got to remember, yes, Wilson was a high-profile recruit, but he ain't Thomas. He ain't Thomas. And this isn't going back on what I said on the last segment because I thought the loss was big for HBCUs in general because of the name that he had. 
But A, the name is bigger when it comes to Thomas. And then if he actually lives up to what he's supposed to be, the production will be significantly greater for Grambling. We're not talking about a guy. I'm not going to diss Wilson to make my point. But let's point out what Martavius Thomas is. We're talking about the number one outfielder in the state of, of, of excuse me, in the state of Arkansas, almost the state of Texas. That's Wilson, who was from Texas. So you're talking about the number one outfielder in the state of Arkansas. You're looking at the number three overall player in the state of Arkansas and the number 10 outfielder in the whole country. This is an elite level prospect. This is somebody that you have to watch out for. And this is somebody that, you know what? If we're talking about any other sport, people will be absolutely out of their mind to get this kind of player. They would. If you want to make the argument that Wilson, you know, was bigger for HBCU football, that's fine. But it's only because of the popularity that comes with football. If we're talking about prospect for prospect and all things are equal, Martavius Thomas is a player who you should be absolutely geeked up and through the roof for. Think about how, if you're a North Carolina A&T fan, think about how you felt when Duncan Powell came. Because I believe he was the highest rated HBCU basketball recruit ever. I know he was the highest in that school's history. Now, this isn't the, this should generate similar excitement to Travis Hunter, even though Travis Hunter was the number one player overall. It's a little bit of a different circumstance, but this is the same level of excitement that you should possess when it comes to grambling baseball. Now, now that we've got the difference between football and baseball out of the way, because that's the big attention thing, you look at the fact that Thomas was a former Arkansas Razorbacks recruit. He decides to decommit and come to grambling. Now, I love, I'm not going to even sit here and lie to you. I think I love a commit who decommits and then comes to an HBCU even more. It's not, not crazy difference, but some about saying, you know what, I was going to go here, but nah, I'd rather go to this HBCU. It, it just, I don't know, maybe it does something for me. It doesn't do anything for you, but it does something for me. And the reason he said he wanted to come to Grambling was because he wanted to start his own dynasty and bring some love to HBCU baseball. Okay, I appreciate that. Now, this is a guy from Camden Camden Fairview, excuse me, Camden Fairview High School, and he was labeled as one of the most consistent and high-volume high batters at the school. And I want to look at what he was able to do over the last two seasons. Now, one is a full season worth of stats, and the second one I'm going to mention is only through the first 11 games of the season. So remember that. That being said, in 2022, he accounted for 29 runs, 16 stolen bases, and also had a batting average of 400. Not bad. Not bad at all, right? But then you look at this year, in 11 games, he has a 457 batting average. So he's already increased his batting average, and this is something that I think we can actually compare season to season because it's an average. It's not an accumulation of, right, it's not the amount of runs. For example, he had 16 hits. 10 runs, uh, seven stolen bases. Those are those are drop downs, but he's only been at bat 35 times. Mind you, he had 29 runs. You can't, it's just not realistic, but he's batting at a better average this year. So I can assume that those stats are probably going to bump up, exceed maybe, even at least match his 2021 totals. But in the thing like batting average, you've seen him improve. So that's one of the reasons that he was able to be bumped up to a top three player. He was top five. I think going into the spring, but he ended up being top three now. So this is a guy who's steadily improving. He's one of the more high profile players in the state of Arkansas. So, yeah, 
this is a big time win for Grambling. And if you want to look at it, you know, he also had 37 games that he played football. 5,898 yards, 60% of his passes were complete, 61 touchdowns, had 2,000 yards on the ground, scored eight touchdowns running. Look, I don't know. Maybe Grambling got a new quarterback while he's at it. Can we convince him to come on to the to the football team? I don't know, man. But a guy with his type of talent when he's on the diamond, all-around guy, utility player. He plays outfield, plays inside, he plays shortstop in, the, in second base. So he's a player who can do everything for you when he's at the uh when he's at the not when he's at the mound when he was at bat you're seeing a player who is extremely efficient. We'll see if he can continue such efficiency on the collegiate level. But if he can, that's a that's a win. That's a huge win. So when you say the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, let's talk about what he giveth because Martavius, that is a star. Martavius is a guy that if we were talking about basketball or football. And everything was equal, people would be out of their chairs, geeked up with excitement. Talking about Martavius Thomas. So I'm not gonna change that just because it's baseball, but because this camera is only about five inches above my head, I'm not going to stand up. Just know standing ovation to Grambling and Martavius Thomas. And I hope he does show some love to HBCU baseball. Going forward, I want to dive into your expectations when it comes to the NFL draft. I'm not telling you that you're asking for too much, but I do want to give you a little bit of information that could help you more accurately predict what's going to happen in the draft going forward as we continue with Locked on HBCU. And as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day and also making it all the way to segment three thank you two times for that now i want you to change your expectations but i want to give you a criteria that makes sense on why you're changing your expectations because there's been a lot a lot of uproar when it comes to the hbcu players not being drafted in the nfl draft i get it i didn't like it either but see i don't really operate with I don't have any interest in sitting here and telling you, oh, man, that's terrible. They need to do better. They need to do better. They need to do better. That's that's not really that's really not my train of thought. I don't think it's productive. I'm not in the spot where I can make people do better. I'm not in the spot where I can talk to people and say, hey, this is what you need to do. I'm sitting here talking to you. So I'd rather look inward to where we stand and hopefully inspire you to do that as well and see some of the things that you can do. So I'm looking inward as far as my conversation. Not as far as what HBCUs can do, what colleges need to do. I did that over the last couple of days. But now I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking from my own point of view. I have some new information because I was talking to Blue after the show because I don't know what you think happens. But it's not like I say peace and then click. We're gone forever. I I always thank them for coming on the show. So, <laughs> But I always thank my guys for coming on the show. But we also have a conversation Nine times out of ten, as long as both of us have the time to do it. But when I was talking to Blue yesterday after the show, this was something that came up. And he talked about how he was talking to either a scout or an agent or something of the sort. Right. And he said that the eight, that person, that personnel told him that basically there's two boxes when it comes to HBCU or excuse me, FCS athletes, measurements and testing. 
And it was either they have to check both of those boxes or they can't. Either they have to check both of those boxes or they have to make sure that they do not leave both of those boxes unchecked. And I'll be honest with you, regardless of you have to check them both or you can't have them both unchecked, the top three prospects didn't have either one of those checked. Mark Evans, Isaiah Land, Aubrey Miller, neither one of them had a measurement box checked or a testing box. Now, the measurements is just your size. It's the pure size. And then you're looking at testing. That's like 40, uh, the shuttle, the broad, the vert. You look at those things. But Mark Evans, his size concerns are the reason he was going to have to train, uh, go over from being a tackle to a guard. Isaiah Land, we already know his size concerns. And Aubrey Miller wasn't that big either. He's he's built well, but at 225, 230, it's like you're not the greatest NFL linebacker size. You're not overly small. Like you're not Isaiah Land small, but you're not, you're probably a little below average. You know, so, and this isn't me turning my back on anybody. It's just the fact that I look for understanding. I want to know why this is the case. And then you look at the fact that neither one of those three tested well. Neither of them did. But you know who did test extremely well? Isaiah Bolden. See, when I tell you that I look for understanding, it doesn't just mean I'm going to accept whatever explanation is given to me. It means that I'm looking for somebody to explain what is going on. And then I apply it to this past year's draft. And if I felt like it was just a lame excuse or if I felt like it was a lie or I felt like it was BS, then I would have came on and expressed that opinion. But when Blue told me what this personnel said, I started thinking to myself, whether it's right or not, it does kind of make sense. I see it. I see it, man. And I feel like a lot of scouts, they look at FCS talent and they say, you know what? I'm already taking a chance. This is already a flyer. If you don't have good size, if you don't have good testing, I'm not going to put an extra risk on top of the risk I already feel like I'm taking, so I'm not going to do it. It's just that simple. I hate it. I'm sure you do too, but it's what it is, you know? And I think there's two schools of thought, and I think that I'm of the one that does not get vocalized a lot. But for me, it's about, okay, I want to I wanna be able to predict to correctly, right? So my way of thought is, what do I think is going to happen? But a lot of people that I've seen express themselves, especially on this topic, they don't talk about what they think is going to happen. They talk about what they want to happen, what they think should happen. Those are two separate ideologies, but we're not stepping on each other's foot. Like, just because you feel like Isaiah Land should have been drafted, and I can now see why he wasn't, and I wanted to see why he wasn't, so that next year I won't predict something like that to happen, doesn't mean I feel like you're wrong, and I hope that you don't look at me like I'm wrong. I would hope so, but I can't control everybody, you know? But overall, now. I have a focus on I want to be right. I spend most of the draft process leading up talking about these players, talking about their strengths, sometimes their weaknesses. So it's not like I'm turning my back on them or calling them garbage. Or I'm discarding them and put them in a category that they're no attention. It's just the fact that when I their strengths and weaknesses and I come on here and I predict like I did at the beginning of last week, how many HBCU players are going to get drafted. I now know I'm not going to just look at all oh, they had this type of game, they had this type of game, this many tackles. I'm going to look, how big is this guy compared to the rest of his position? Is he an average size linebacker? Is he a small linebacker? What's his testing? 
Does he run a four five? Is he running a four seven? You know, that was a problem. You can't run a four seven to be a small linebacker. These are issues that I now know I need to look for. And now I can have my prediction be a little bit more accurate. So if you want to talk about what should happen, I respect that. I might even do that next year. Some, but there's going to have to be a point for me, at least maybe not for you. on when you start predicting on what you think is going to happen. And when you predict on what you think is going to happen, let's keep these things in mind. Measurements and testing. If those two boxes are unchecked, throw it away. He's not getting drafted. I don't care what the film looks like. Now, if he only checks one of those boxes, we'll have to see. I don't know which one's more valuable, but all I do know is that those two boxes come before the game tape. Doesn't sound right, does it? But like I told you yesterday, fair has never been a requirement for the truth. Now, one thing that is fair is making me your first listen of the day every day. So I hope that you're doing that. I hope that when you tell me you do it, you're telling the truth. That's fair and truth at the same time. We like that. So continue making us your first listen of the day every day. On tomorrow's episode, we'll be diving into Davius Richards draft stock and then also looking at some of the FCS quarterbacks who have been drafted in the past just to be able to get a full scope of the picture of what Richard is going to be dealing with in the 2024 NFL draft. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear you to the family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.